0: And welcome to our 16th episode of the NDV podcast. So thank you so far for joining us for 16 episodes. And if you're just joining us, um, thank you for joining us. And please go back and binge episodes one through 15. We have various um, guests on there discussing domestic violence, true crime, and mental health as it relates to domestic violence. We are your premier podcast for all things domestic violence. So with that, I would like to introduce our guest for episode 16. We have Eileen Castell from Next Step Counseling. So thank you for coming on the the podcast. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I um, I'm actually really excited to meet you. I have to say, I'm so impressed with you and everything that you've done in just even just in 2020 alone. And I'm excited to be a part of it in this like very small little way.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yes, 2020 has been a huge year um, for well for the nonprofit and for myself as well. Um, We started off January 2020 as a support group, and then January 20 we began 2020 of this year. We began the process um, of becoming a nonprofit. So we're almost coming up um, on our one-year anniversary, and so yeah, we've done a lot and provided a lot of services in that just that less than a year. So yeah, it's been an awesome ride.
1: (laughs) Impact. It's. Unbelievable, and it's so needed, and um, just thank you for your work, seriously. It's, what you're doing is awesome.
0: Thank you. As a domestic violence survivor, I'm just I'm very passionate about domestic violence and helping victims of domestic violence, as well as um, providing education on domestic violence and narcissist abuse, so definitely.
1: Yeah, well, you've turned your past pain into a passion project, which is serving you and the world well.
0: Thank you. And so can you tell us about Next Step Counseling and your experience with counseling and relationships and trauma? Yeah. And that sort of thing? Absolutely. So maybe
1: just a little background first. Um, so I, I'm the founder and I started Next Step Counseling in 2011. And my goal was at the time, well, still is, to create a boutique practice um, specializing in niche areas um, that... I'm passionate about with people that I feel like can relate to me and that I can relate to. Um, And so currently, we've got 10 awesome, really warm clinicians who are all holistically and expertly trained to um, focus on specific life and relationship transitions. So that's primarily kind of like our catch-all of what we do is life and relationship transitions. And in addition, I do want to say that we are trauma. We are a trauma-informed practice. Um, so anyone listening that's, that's seeking counseling for trauma, you definitely want to make sure that your counselor not just has worked with trauma in the past, but has specific trauma-informed tra- well, tra- training to provide trauma-informed services. So um, I just wanted to kind of put that little disclaimer out there because I think those are two different things someone who's just worked with trauma and someone who's actually trauma-informed. Um, and in, in my practice, um, it's a, trauma is a huge part of what we do. And I actually didn't realize this when I first started the practice years ago, but as we've grown and I've learned and I've evolved as a clinician, it is a huge part of what we do. Um, you know, Trauma impacts so many different areas of ourselves and our lives. So it really comes into play with so many of our clients, Um, you know, just to kind of give an overview, like trauma impacts, um, like our trust with ones, just with ourselves, it affects our trust in other people, our own connections to our body and our emotions, our ability to attach and connect to other people, whether it's platonic or romantic. I mean, everything from healthy boundaries to assertiveness, self-worth, problem solving, I mean, on and on and on, I could probably go. So oftentimes, no matter what the client is bringing in, um, typically we can kind of, oftentimes there's either some level of overt big T trauma, like um, abuse, violence, sexual assault, um, or something more along the lines of little T trauma, which might be more like relational trauma, that's kind of more slow and steady. Um, that affects how people attach and communicate to others and their trust with themselves, their self-worth, et cetera. So um, maybe, did I just overwhelm you with too much information?
0: (laughs) It's actually really good. And I like that you touched on the fact that there is a difference between um, a a clinician that's actually worked with trauma versus a clinician that's actually been trauma-informed trained. So those are two separate things.
1: I think so, because I think... um you know, if someone just focuses on depression, anxiety, and they're getting clients that have trauma, I just want to make sure that they're not missing really important things. And, and also when we're doing trauma-informed work, we need to make sure that that it's done in a really safe, slow way that's informed and that we're
0: not re-harming clients during and throughout the work. So, Definitely, because they're dealing already with enough of the trauma the PTSD and all of that, Absolutely. so definitely yeah and so who would you say has influenced you um, well so in in regards
1: to trauma i you know and i think I think there's three people that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, so one is, is um, well, in my mid 20s, I learned an approach called focusing by um, Eugene Jenlin. And I won't go into like what focusing is, but that was really the start, the jumpstart to me in my journey, really understanding how the mind and the body are so intertwined and connected. And that healing, while it does happen through talk therapy, but also, and sometimes more importantly, happens through like somatically. Um, healing. So that was, I think, one of my first jumping off points in terms of my influences for trauma work. Um, and then there's two others that come to mind. One is uh, someone named Dr. Gay Bradshaw. I uh, studied under her for about two years, and I was studying the biological, psychological, and social effects of trauma on animals. So think zoos. Um, poaching, those used in tourism, things like that. And um, what I learned, I, I learned a ton about trauma and the science and the epigenetics and all the effects on the brain and the body systems through that experience. And that was has been really helpful to me because everything is actually um, parallels to animals and different species to humans as well. So that was probably the second thing. And thirdly, Um, my friend and colleague, I'll give a shout out to Dr. Dr. Colleen Sira, who um, is an expert on trauma. And I, and I bring her in every month to my practice for continued education and training on trauma. So I've learned a ton from her and she's been lovely, um, and a, and a great resource for myself and my team.
0: That's awesome. And I like that you do, you do that continued education piece. I love that.
1: Yes. It's a huge part of my practice. I think, um, you know, as a person, I always want to continue to grow and evolve. And I think that's an important part of life. And that, that includes like our, my career and, um, my team and my staff. And like I said, I think trauma is a very delicate and important, um, specific niche. And I don't think anyone should be doing trauma work without
0: being educated and informed. So. Definitely, because the patients that are coming to you for trauma, they've, they've already been through so much, so definitely.
1: Yes, and everybody's at different places and phases in their, in their trauma, um, whether they're currently activated and hypervigilant or it's something that happened years ago that they want to come in and kind of work on that we have to be able to kind of assess um, where a client is at and be able to meet them where they're at appropriately and safely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so what has really compelled you to become a counselor? Because you started, you know, your own um, practice. Yeah. So what pro- compelled you to get into, become a counselor and get into this field?
1: Yeah. Um I think... It, well, it started actually at a really young age. I was in probably junior high and a family member, sorry, that's my dog. If you hear any coughing in the background, <laughs> um, he's old. Um, you know, a family member had started to see a counselor, um, was depressed and, and anxious and started to see... Uh, yeah, a psychologist at the time. And I saw the positive effects that it had on a family member, and it was just something that I wanted to be a part of. Um, I think I noticed that in the family member, partly because this is also, I feel like, been a calling for me, not just like a career choice. And when I did go to college to study psychology, I just fell in love with it and just absolutely love, I love learning about it and reading about it and understanding how people operate and it's, it's enjoyable, so I think that's really how I kind of crept into this field starting at a really young age.
0: Wow, oh, I love that, but you've, your passion is, is very, you know, you can see that, so that's very visible, so I like that. Mm-hmm. And what would you say is a common myth that people have about counselors that you would like to debunk?
1: So I actually put this post on my social media <laughs> to kind of like, I was like, hey, y'all, what's what are your, what are your thoughts? And um, what came up? a couple of times was that we secretly judge people. And so I think that's something that maybe probably holds people back from coming in. And to debunk it, I think really a a major part of our job is to understand context. So why and how you think you act and you kind of why and how you behave and feel a certain way. So this includes your upbringing, significant life events or relationships. Um, so I think when the, when the context is understood, there's not really room for, for judgment. I think what comes up then is understanding empathy, care, and support. So, I mean, for example, um, this I did respond to the people on social media. And so one of the examples I had given was that, you know, a dog might be, aggressive and be judged for that. But when you understand that it was abused and is now scared of others and trying to protect itself, then there's compassion and understanding. So I I don't think um, that we judge. I think we are in this field because we are driven to and have a ton of compassion and a ton of empathy and um,
0: it all has context. Okay. And then I also wanted to get into, because that, that well, before we get into something else, yeah, I do want to kind of touch on that, because I I do think that is actually a common myth that I've also incurred with some of the um, survivors that I've talked to, is that there is um, this, that, that myth, because I think there are a lot of times people in and of themselves, they're, they're scared to to go to counseling in the first place. They're, you know, they're a little bit worried or apprehensive. So then they are probably thinking, you know, will I be judged? So that actually is a really good um, common myth. So, yeah, I definitely could see that.
1: And I think therapy, no matter what you're coming in for, it's a really vulnerable place to be. I mean, this is, (laughs) you're putting everything out there on the table and no one likes to be judged or criticized, especially if you're coming into you know, talk about an abusive relationship, there's so much shame there. And then to be vulnerable and put that out there in a room with someone that initially you don't, you don't even know, I'm I'm sure is really, really difficult. I've had to do it before, you know, like I've, I've been in therapy, I've gone to therapy. Um, and it, you, it's going outside your comfort zone for sure.
0: Okay. Definitely. Because, um, it's just like when kind of when, um, you know, just speaking out, and you know, some of the survivors that I've talked to, when they start first start speaking out, you know, they're they're apprehensive about that as well. So yeah, it's definitely you know, those first initial times, it is something that can be difficult, you know, sharing that. Yeah. And what can you say that you've learned from a client, or what um, you know, what you're currently doing for clients now? Like how you know, when you're working with them in your practice, what have you learned from them? <laughs>
1: I was thinking about this and a particular client came to mind. Um, I've worked with her for a few years through different things like identity, um, dating and relationships, career changes, valuing her needs. So I've known her a while and, I, and she's definitely a go-getter and, and works hard on her self-growth. Um, more recently and, um, and unfortunately, she was sexually assaulted for the second time in her in her life which of course is is very devastating traumatic yeah uh, yeah yeah and i think out of anyone i've worked with she has been the most committed to her journey and self-growth i mean she's nonstop. She's, she uses yoga she's using somatic meditations and journaling and thought restructuring and she's stepping outside of her comfort zone safely um, she's working on her homework in between our sessions. She comes prepared for sessions. On occasion, she goes to group therapy. I mean, the list goes on and on. And it's really, I think her motivation and her commitment is really, um, to her like healing and her journey is, is really impressive. And I personally would have thought she would have burnt out by now, but she she just keeps going. Um, so I think I've been really, really impressed with just how committed she is and how how much drive she has to feel better and um, feel good and, you know, heal and progress and self-grow in her journey. So I just it, – it's – her commitment I haven't seen. In, she's probably the most committed client I've ever worked with, and it's just been really impressive. Yeah.
0: Yes. and I think that um, that is – you know, good that you're able to, to connect with your clients. I think that's really important, especially for someone who's coming in to see you. They want to make sure that, you know, you're able to connect with them. And I think it's awesome for you that you get to be able to watch them grow and see how, how far they've come. It's extremely rewarding. I, you know,
1: I, I, I also think it's important that while I shared like about this client, um, that self-growth and, and counseling doesn't have to be that, fast and furious with with your healing process i actually i think it's actually normally quite the opposite that that trauma um, takes a lot of work and a lot of time and is a really slow process um and so i think this particular client wouldn't have been able to do the work that she's doing without solid and effective coping skills and really knowing herself before doing her trauma work and we did that so um i just want to make sure that as listeners are listening that people aren't judging themselves for not being that quick in their process or their journey that that trauma work is actually just a very gradual process and can take
0: years so i just wanted to put that disclaimer in there Definitely. Um, one of the things I say to the women that I coach and the women that also join my virtual um, domestic violence empowerment sessions is um, one of my favorite sayings is healing is not linear. So, um, you know, it's sometimes people have this misconception that, oh, I'm just going to go to therapy. I'm going to go to one or two sessions and poof, everything's going to be, you know, and, and it's like, no, doesn't quite work like that. Healing is not linear and it will take some time and it will take. You know, there's no set amount of time. It will be, you know, it's just a process. Yeah. So I try to always remind them of that. Uh, That's important and great. It is messy. Trauma work
1: is messy. And also why, you know, before a therapist ever starts that work with a client, like the client has to be informed and actually has to give their permission for starting that work because it is hard
0: and it is messy and it's not linear. Yeah. Definitely. And what do you wish that you would have known um, when you first started in your counseling career?
1: You know, and I think, right, self-care, how important self-care is, especially right now in this time. There's so many layers of gunk that we're managing and dealing with right now that you know, even right now, like we're kind of going through a parallel experience with our clients, which isn't usually the norm in the therapy room, um, meaning like we're all um, going through the pandemic together and the political gunk right now. And so I think self care is, is so important and really work on that um, and, and knowing when to pull back and so that you can be efficient and effective with your clients.
0: Definitely. That's something that we also go over, um, as well. And one of the things that, um, we go over too, is that, you know, self-care looks different to everybody. Um, you know, you, for you, it may be taking a walk or taking a jog for someone else. It may be listening to music, maybe journaling, but just make sure you get whatever it is to you. Make sure you get that time that you need to do and that you're doing that self-care.
1: Yeah. And to have like a few different coping tasks in your basket. Cause um, or techniques I should say coping techniques in your basket because sometimes going for the walk that'll work you know eight times out of ten but those two other times it might not work so you need to be able to pull something else out so yeah that's great that you also talk about that in your groups. Yes
0: what other coping techniques could um, for example like what other co- coping techniques could they have in their basket?
1: Um, there is so many I guess it depends on who the per- I think it, it shifts depending on who the client is or the individual is, but um, there's noticing negative thoughts and kind of reframing those in a very concrete way. There's taking inventory and connecting to your emotions and putting them on a Likert scale. And then kind of thinking about how can you reduce the intensity of that emotion. Um, just even if it's a little bit and even if it's momentarily. So that might be breath work. That might be, um, and a lot of the stuff you don't have to do on your own. There's apps for almost everything now, whether that's a breathing exercise, whether that is, like you said, going for a walk. Um, Self-compassion, I think, is a huge one that takes a little bit of time to work on. So I think for we're often so hard on ourselves and so oftentimes i'll ask people if you can't give yourself some self-compassion a little bit of wiggle room kind of ask yourself what would you tell a friend or what would you tell you know a eight or ten year old child if they came to you with the same situation and those same
0: feelings or those same thoughts So those are just a couple quick few ones yeah i think those are awesome um techniques to have in their basket like you said you want to make sure that you're you know, you have a couple different techniques that you're using for coping, not just one specific one. And also, too, you touched on self-compassion. That is really difficult for domestic violence survivors, um, especially. They a lot of um, domestic violence sh- survivors struggle with that. So that is um, something that is, you know, constantly reminded to them. You know, to have that self-compassion and make sure you're doing that self-care and while we're on the topic of apps, too, one of the other apps I bring up is Day Count. Um, it's a free app and not too many people know about it. But the Day Count app um, that's free um, for survivors that are making sure that they're going no contact with the abuser, um, mm. they can keep track of how many days and months and time that they've, um, you know, stayed no contact with their abuser. So that's something else that I also bring up as well.
1: I love that. I didn't know that app existed and... I love that because that's a way to tangibly create a sense of, like, validation and reward and accomplishment that, like, the end of the day, you get to cross off another day.
0: Yeah, you get to visibly see that, hey, I've gone um, three months without, you know, talking to my abuser, so yeah.
1: That's great. I like that. I wrote it down.
0: (laughs) And what was your biggest failure, um, and, and what did you learn from that?
1: So I... Um, I don't feel like in life, anything has really been a failure. I think there's something to take away from everything. So it's all, it's all a journey. It's all the process of my life. But if I could probably say dating in my twenties was a big fat failure, probably if I could just make it. I can still relate. (laughs) Um, you know, I think I learned a lot from, I didn't know it at the time that I was dating men that were avoidant or not attentive to my needs or I'm, I'm a giver, I'm compassionate, like I'm happy to help. And I think that gets taken advantage of if in the wrong dynamics. Um, so I think I learned a lot in my twenties about all the different, um, pieces of what a healthy, versus non-healthy relationship is, and all the parts that are important, like valuing your needs, valuing your um, feelings, and being able to prioritize those, and creating boundaries, and being able to walk away from a relationship that's really, um, maybe someone you're in love with, but isn't isn't healthy for you currently, or maybe in the long run, potentially. Um, So that, I think, was a life, a good, String of life lessons and I've totally Applied that to my own life in and my personal life and I'm in a happy healthy relationship now, but I've applied all of that to my work with my clients and I think it only drove me to do more research and learn more and more and more about different dynamics of relationships and um, How to be in a healthy relationship and how to have a healthy
0: relationship I like that. That was awesome. (laughs) And what is the most important thing that we don't know about you or, you know, what we may not know about Next Step Counseling?
1: Um, You know, this is, I was
0: struggling with this one.
1: Um, I think one thing about Next Step, maybe I could speak more to is that I love my team right now. We just, everyone is so awesome and everyone has their own little niche that they just thrive and, fr- and you know, thrive in and really love and are passionate about it. And um, so I think that's one, one way that I think we're super unique, no matter what kind of a client is coming in through the door that m- most of the time we have someone who's a good fit for them. So I would say that about the practice about me personally, I'm extremely spiritual um, and I'm also a Reiki energy healer and use my intuition a ton like throughout my days in my own life and in my work and it's paid off. I think it really serves me well to lean into your like gut intuition and to to use
0: that as a, a radar for for life. Definitely. I like that. And so where can people find you? How can they get connected with Next Step Counseling? So our
1: website is nextstepcounselingchicago.com. It's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us. We're also on social media, nextstepcounselingchicago.com. Sorry, without the .com on social media. Um, That's probably the easiest way. And if anyone's looking for services, Uh, feel free to reach out. And if we're not the right fit, we will take the time to try to find um, another clinician or practice that is the right fit because that's the most important thing.
0: Definitely. That's something that we tell um, the survivors all the time when we are in our sessions that, you know, it may take some time before you find the right um, clinician. You know, you might have to try one or two therapists out before you find the right fit, Um, but definitely, you know, Keep, stay encouraged. Um, you will find the right fit.
1: Absolutely, it's not just about our, the clinician's training, but it's about personality and like driving with someone. So I like that you tell people to don't give up. Keep keep searching.
0: Definitely, I think sometimes people. Um, I think it's important, and I and that's why I tell them that because I think sometimes people, um, you know, they make that brave first step to to seek out counseling and to go to counseling, and then you know, when it's not a fit, they're kind of like, sometimes they become discouraged and they're like, oh, well, I don't want, I tried it. I don't want to go back to counseling again. Um, And it may be, you know, very much needed. So I don't want people to just give up and say, you know, hey, I I tried it once. It didn't work. Just maybe that that wasn't, that particular therapist wasn't a fit for you, but please, you know, don't give up.
1: Yeah. I like that you set that expectation ahead of time. um, So that helps them be more like flexible to the idea of like, okay, maybe I should try someone else. So that's great.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you so much for coming on. And again, um, our listeners, please check out Eileen Castell at Next Step Counseling. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Have a really nice day.
0: You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So we are going to continue on with episode 16. We want to thank our special guest today, Eileen Castell from Next Step Counseling for joining us. So we're going to continue on with the episode. So I'm going to now discuss my book drum roll please. (laughs) So as you may have noticed, um, if you were listening to episodes one and episodes nine, I shared pieces of my story in those episodes. And I shared a little bit of bits and pieces of the story for a couple reasons. But one of the main reasons was because I knew that my book was coming out, my first book. Um, I will be doing a second follow-up book, but this first book is a co-authored book. And my second book will be a book solely authored by me. But this first book, my very first book, is a co authored book. So it is myself, Teresa Simon, the, um, for those just joining us, I am the executive director and founder of NDV Healing and Support Incorporated, that is, um, that does this podcast. And Of course, um, there was some other authors that were co-authored with with myself. So there was Dr. Stacy Henderson-Shaw, Donna Lambert, Tanya Austin, Tracy Rector, who also has a film out right now, Gabriella Smithers, and Madeline Murphy. So those um, are the other authors. And the name of the book is called My Secret Life, My Journey Through Domestic Violence. So in that book, there's seven of us who tell our stories. And so um, as you can guess, there's, it's quite long. It's, it's um, a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit over close to 200 pages um, because we each, you know, tell um, a piece of our story in there. And, and, you know, there are some amazing ladies with, you know, really amazing testimonies in there um, and, you know, including mine as well. So... That book is now available now. So as I stated again, you know, I told a piece of my story in episode one, then in episode nine, I did another piece of my story. And then of course the book is another big chunk of my story. So I would definitely encourage you, you can now buy that now. And I would definitely encourage you to to check it out. Also, we are doing two book launches. Um, The first book launch is October 19th, 2020, and that will be at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time, and that will be on the Stand Up Survivor Facebook page live. Lisa Alexander, who was actually in episode six, she is the one that published the book with Lisa Uh, Nicole Alexander Publishing. So um, we will be going, all the authors will be on that um, virtual book launch that day. On October 24th is my own personal book launch, and that will be on the Narcissistic Domestic Violence Healing and Support Incorporated Facebook page, or for short, NDV Healing and Support Incorporated. And there I will have um, just a few of the other authors join me and we will discuss a little bit about the book. So one of the reasons, and I know a lot of people ask me too, like what made you decide to write your first book? Um, what made you, you know, want to share your story? So there was a couple of things that I really learned about sharing my story. Obviously um, when you share your story, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, it is very empowering, A uh, powerful. Um, it's very powerful and it's very, um, you know, it, it's just very uplifting. And it's very powerful and it's just, you know, an experience. But one of the things that I learned, well, two things about sharing your story um, is number one, your testimony is not for you. Your testimony is, is for others. It's to help others others. So that was one of the things that really um ultimately made me decide to share my story, write a book, and to start and found the nonprofit organization NDB Healing and Support Incorporated. So um I say all that to say to the survivors out there that are listening, your testimony is 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 not for you. It's you know it's to help other people. So you know I I applaud and I I really encourage you to tell your story because that brings me to my second point is that lives are depending on your story. There are people out there, lives that are depending on your story. Think about it. There are so many domestic violence victims that did not make it that are not here with us today. So there, by telling your story, you are saving lives. You're changing lives and you're saving lives because there are lives that depend on your story. So by all means, don't be ashamed to tell your story. Don't be scared to sh- tell your story because I want you to remember two things if you don't remember anything else. Lives are depending on your story and your testimony is not for you. You are helping people. The other thing um, that I learned in my, you know, in my process of telling my story was that your experience is your experience. The key word in there being your so it is, it is your own personal experience. It is personal to you. So that means that you can very well be in the same, lived in the same house with someone, whether it be sibling, parent, husband and wife, whatever, and not share the same experience that, that with another person because of the fact that your experience is yours. And, there, and therefore, no one can downplay your experience. No one can say, "Oh, maybe that didn't happen that way. Or, this is it. no, your experience is your experience that is personal to you. So remember those things when, when you are telling your story and sharing your story. But ultimately, um, lives are depending on your story. so that is ultimately why I really wanted to make sure. That I, I shared my story, so like I said, um, it was a co-authored book with um, a total of seven authors, including myself. So I'm not not to be a spoiler alert. I'm not going to give away. Well, first of all, I will say um, we all didn't get to read each other's stories until the book was published, and I. I'm not just saying that. I was totally blown away by some of the testimonies of the other ladies. I mean, it was just yeah. So you definitely want to read that. But in my own story, I will only give you a little little spoiler. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, you know, I want you to be able to read my testimony to see how that how that ends and in some of the things I say in there because some of the things I shared in there I have not. Um, Shared before. So it's definitely something you also want to pick up. And then also, of course, um, you know, the other author stories are, are really um, Powerful as well. So I will read the first couple of sentences. And then, of course, you will have to read the book To see um, what else is in there and what else happens emerging from the troubled waters. It's the things that you least expect that hit you the hardest. Thwack. A searing sharp punch to my eye startles me and jolts me completely out of my seat. That statement has now taken on a different, more literal literal meaning. My eye is stinging, bleeding. My glasses are shattered and on the ground, and I'm completely blindsided. There's a pressing and pulsating pain in my face and in my eye. What the hell is happening? So you will have to see what happens. Um, And definitely, um, you'll have to see the other authors and their testimonies, as well as my own. So again, that is. My secret life, my journey through domestic violence, and if you're wanting to know, the book um, is twenty dollars. And if you're wanting to know how you can order it, you can order it directly um, off of the web. Our website it is https: colon slash slash c dot That's all one word. Again, https: colon slash slash ndbhealingsupportinc.org. And once you get to the website, there will be the option for you to go ahead and purchase the book, My Secret Life, My Journey Through Domestic Violence. So we want to thank you again for joining us for episode 16. And if you are just tuning in and joining us, first of all, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And then also, if you're just tuning in, please go back and check out episodes one through 15 for our first season. Um, Our first season is starting to wind down to a close, but we will have a couple more episodes for you. We will have another episode live from Live Wednesdays. We will have our community panel episode and another true crime episode and one more interview. So we have roughly about four to five more episodes before season one comes to a close. So if you are just joining us, please go and check out the other episodes before we have, um, wrap up season one with our additional four to five episodes that we're going to have. And also let us know how we're doing. Um, let us know some things that you may want to see with the podcast. Please feel free to email us at outlook.com. Again, that's all one word. Our email is outlook.com. So please email us and let us know your feedback as well as visit our website, https colon slash and you will be able to pick up the book, My Secret Life, My Journey Through Domestic Violence co-authored by yours truly, Teresa Simon, executive director and founder of NDV Healing Support Incorporated and the host of this podcast, NDV Healing. So again, thank you again for joining us for another episode and we look forward to seeing you for the next episodes as season one winds down to a close. Thank you guys.